Because ultimately, that is the goal of the Father. And you know what? And as the Lord opens up that vision to us, we receive that gladly. And then when we do see our flaws and our shortcomings, you know, we should walk in God's grace and mercy. You know, there's sometimes we want our brothers and sisters to mature and transform faster at our timetable. But I've learned through the years to allow God to convince something in someone's heart pertaining to the scripture. I can argue, I can debate, I can win an argument, but you know what? You just won an argument, but someone has not received from the spirit of the living God. And that's when trans transformation truly comes, amen? Amen. So today's message is entitled, Yeshua Calls and Gives Authority to His 12 Talmudim, or Disciples. And He called them right from where they were. As we've been going through these first uh, nine chapters of the book of Matthew, and you'd like to turn there right now, Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, Yeshua has been demonstrating what the kingdom of God is to be all about. And he set himself as the example in all these things, walking in unity with the Father, hearing the Father's voice, doing only the things that the Father desired for him to do, and building the kingdom. He was about his father's business. And you know what? He's no longer walking on this earth. He's walking and living and dwelling within each and every one of his disciples. And we're to work and walk out his life in our lives. And the beauty of that, God does not take away our personality. He's given us a divine personality. But he transforms that and he completes it in the image and character of his son. Amen? So here are the 12 Talmudim who are sent out. Isn't it fascinating? Today we heard about what? 12 spies that went into the land and spied it out. God uses certain numbers throughout scripture to catch our attention so that we may pay attention. Some have said that, well, these 12 um, disciples or Talmudim were chosen from 12 tribes of Israel, Okay. That's just someone's opinion. It sounds good, but it doesn't fit because you'll notice if you study about the different disciples of the Talmudim, they were from the same family. So how could they represent the full 12 tribes of Israel? Okay, That's why there's some nice thoughts and opinions there, but I really believe that God had sent these 12 individuals. One was removed because... It, it appeared that he truly wasn't trusting the Lord in all that he did. So now let us begin in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Yeshua called his 12 Talmudim, which is disciples, and gave them authority to drive out unclean spirits, to heal every kind of disease and weakness. These are the names of the 12 emissaries. First, it is Shimon, called Kepha. His name meant and translated into English, into the rock, someone who would appear to be stable. But any of us, as we study the life of Peter, or Kepha, we notice that before the Lord began to transform him, he was very, very unstable. He was a man moved by his emotion and by his opinion. Goes on to say, next was his brother, Andrew. Isn't it amazing when you look in different families, different siblings, some will balance out the others. But there are other cases where 
there is no balance. They fully lean to one characteristic, and that family is known by that character or characteristic. Next, we see Yaakov, which is James, who was the son of Ben-Zabdi, which is Zebedee, and Yohanan, his brother. They were called the sons of thunder. Remember the scripture records? They were waiting, calling, wanting to, desiring to call down fire from heaven upon the unbelieving Samaritans. Okay? See, God chooses people just where they are. Flaws and all. And it's an ongoing transformation process that the Lord allows us to go through. In its grace and mercy, and there are times of repentance, there's times of education, there's times of being taught and retaught time and time again. How many here can testify to that in their own lives? I sure can. Ongoing, learning the same lesson. You haven't graduated yet. You're still in the second grade, all right, as a believer in Messiah. That's transformation, graduation comes in time. And the one that gives us the orders that we can graduate is truly Yeshua. So let us continue. They were, John and James were both intolerant. They were ambitious and zealous, but they were also explosive. We see this as we study the scriptures, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We observe this in these two gentlemen's lives who happen to be from the same household. Next, we see Philip and Bartholomew, or Bartholomew. It says this of Philip. After three years at Yeshua's feet, Philip's spiritual perception still seemed almost at nothing. Did you hear that? Here he saw God walking in human flesh before him, teaching, demonstrating the power of God, but still he just did not get it. Neither Yeshua's words nor his works had brought Philip to an understanding that Yeshua was his, and his father were one. They had one plan, one purpose. After gazing for three years into the only face of God men will ever see, he still did not comprehend who he was seeing. He had missed the main truth of Yeshua's teaching, that he is God in human flesh being manifested the perfect representative of the Father. Has there been times in your, in your spiritual walk with the Lord where you just didn't get it? I have. I just did not get it. But the Lord was patient with me and long-suffering. Yet Yeshua used a man of limited vision and trust. He was more at home with physical facts than with spiritual truth. Yet along with the other Talmudim, Yeshua assured him of a throne from which he would judge the 12 tribes of Israel. That's found in Matthew 19.28. See, God does not give up on us, even at times when we give up on ourselves from season to season. Have you ever had those seasons, those dry times, where it appears that the heavens are as brass and God's presence has truly left you for a period of time? It's amazing. The Lord always brings us back and says, Hey, I'm over here. I never left you. But you need to come through a time and season of repentance. And you know what? The spirit of the living God brings that upon our hearts and minds so that we could truly go through times of repentance, times of refreshing, so that we would not walk into condemnation, but we'd be convicted of our souls and that our loving Heavenly Father would dispense his grace and mercy upon us 
along with the appropriate discipline. Amen? Because we have a loving Heavenly Father. Philip was pessimistic. He was insecure. He was also analytical. He was slow to learn, but ultimately he gave his life as a martyr for Yeshua, in whom he had often disappointed, who Yeshua was so patiently and taught him and retaught him time and time again. I know this in ministry. As you look at your brothers and sisters, we need to grow in the areas of patience for one another and allow the spirit of the living God to open up their eyes, remove the veil, unstop their ears, fill them with the grace and knowledge and, and understand that the Lord has bestowed upon you. But it takes time. We have to be patient with one another. Next is Toma or Thomas and Matthew, Matthew the tax collector. Tax collectors were so despicable and vile that the Talmud records that it is righteous to lie and to deceive a tax collector. Doesn't that sound terrible? That's how much of a traitor that Matthew was seen. And think of this, my brothers and sisters. Who was anointed by God to write the good news to the Jewish people? The one that would appear in their eyes as the greatest vile deceiver. Because he was transformed. As he once was a vile and evil person. Tax collectors were not permitted to testify in Jewish courts because they were notorious liars and they accepted bribes as a normal part of life. Think of that in that context. And here's the one of all the 12 that Yeshua decided because he saw Matthew as a finished, transformed work. And he was the one that the Lord wanted to show undeniable to the Jewish people, not only for that generation, but for all generations yet to be born of a transformed life by the power and the trust in our blessed Messiah, Yeshua. Let's continue. Tax collectors, they were forbidden to worship in the temple or even in the synagogue. Did you hear that? In Yeshua's parable, the tax collector who came to the temple to pray stood some distance away. That's found in Luke 8.13. Not only because that he felt unworthy, but because he was not allowed to enter. Did you get that through the times that you've read Luke? That full understanding? That he was not even allowed to even put his shadow on the threshold of the temple or any synagogue. Let's continue. Yaakov James bar Hakli which is Alpheus, and Tadai, that is Thaddeus. Next is Shimon, Simon the Zealot, and Yehuda from Keroth, who betrayed him. Did you notice that the Lord sent them out in pairs? They weren't sent alone. You know what's beautiful, what the Lord is doing in this congregation among the board? He desires not only one to preach and teach, but for the board to preach and teach. We're working as a team to build God's kingdom. This was how Yeshua established it, so that there would be two witnesses. That way, when someone was having a difficult day, there would be a brother or sister there to raise them up and strengthen them. We do not build the kingdom of God alone. It is a team effort. Let's continue. Zealots 
were not one of the, were one of the four dominant religious parties in Israel, along with the Purushim, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes, but were for the most part motivated by politics than religion. That's the Zealots. They were primarily guerrilla fighters who made surprise attacks on Roman posts and patrols, then escaped to the hills or the mountains. Sometimes they resorted to terrorism. And the Jewish historian Josephus called them the scalari. That is a Latin word which means the dagger men. They carried knives with them because of their frequent assassinations. They were the Jewish liberation front in their day, actively opposing Rome's occupation. Their provocations led in 66 common error to the open rebellion, which was crushed by the Romans with enormous loss of life on both sides. And the destruction of the temple in 70. What is today? The ninth of awe. That is a, both an anniversary of both the destruction of the first temple and the second temple. This is a very special day today, the ninth of awe. Whereas our people were in rebellion against God's ways and provision, he allowed those nations around them to discipline them by his hand. But it's beautiful, the Lord has restored the Jewish people to the land. And you know what, my brothers and sisters, most of you know this, there shall be a third temple. But you know what? The ninth of Av shall come again. The scripture does not say this, but that might be the date of the abomination of desolation when the anti-Messiah is revealed. Because you know what? Our people get caught up in the temple. So caught up in the temple that they forget about their relationship with Abba, Father God. And when that third temple is erected, you know what's going to happen? Our Jewish people are going to be so focused on the temple yet again, and those sacrifices are going to be offered upon those altars. And they're going to be looking at that and say, we're now back to fulfilling biblical Judaism. But you know what? They're going to get so wrapped up in this, into the temple, into the sacrifices. And that's all recorded in the book of Messianic Jews. And we will be there to testify to them there's a greater sacrifice that Mashiach, Messiah, has done. Amen? And this is a literal one who's now launching these 12 men into their divine called ministry, flawed and failing just as they were. He's, he begins now to send them out. Continuing. The ninth of Av. Today is the anniversary of that sad day, remembrance of both the first and second temple. Later, there was a mass suicide of the last holdouts at Masada in the year 73. They avoided to avoid capture and to be enslaved by the Roman army. Next, it says, Judah started at the same place with the other Talmudim. The witness and the love and concern the compassion and mercy and the long-suffering grace was given to him as equal to all the other 11 Talmudim. But they trusted in Yeshua. That was the difference. And they became believers as they were surrendered to Yeshua. They grew away from their old ways 
And if you're a believer in Messiah, you can testify that. That the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, leads us into that transformation. He shows us ourselves as we truly are. He has us look in that spiritual mirror and, and get the full revelation of who and how the Father sees us as we're going through that transformation process. Goes on to say, they too were sinful. They were worldly, selfish, unloving, and they were materialistic. Can anyone identify with that as you're going through your trans transformation process? I sure can. There are times when I am that. I fit that definition. And that's the truth. And if I was to stand before you and say anything other than that, I would be a liar. And God would be then uh, held back through that transformation process. Amen? We are sinners saved by what? God's grace and his grace alone. Amen? So let us continue. But they submitted the other 11, to Yeshua, and he transformed them. They couldn't do it on their own. Just as I and you have learned, we cannot transform ourselves. We have to go through the process. We have to go through those dry times and refreshing times. Let us continue. Judah remained the same. He did not grow. That's a sad statement, is it not? Let's continue. He refused to trust Yeshua, and he closed the door to Abba, Father, God's grace. Remember, we have our own free will, my brothers and sisters. We decide. Let's continue. If the Simon the Zealot had met Matiahu, the tax collector, anywhere else than in the company of Yeshua, he would have stuck him with a dagger. Why? Because he was a zealot. And who was Matthew? He was represented the oppressive Roman government. He was a traitor. So think about that. These guys are in the same camp. When Matthew closes his eyes at night, could that be not in the back of his mind? Wait a second. Simon over here, he is a zealot. And I once was a traitor to my people. He has every right to take my life. But it goes on to say this. Here is the undeniable truth that men who hate each other can learn to love one another when they both have Yeshua as their Messiah. You want peace in the Middle East? When every man, woman, and child acknowledge Yeshua as the Mashiach, the Messiah, then there shall be peace in the Middle East or any nation upon this earth. Let's continue. Verse 5, these 12 Yeshua sent out with the following instructions. Don't go into any territory of the Goyim, that is the Gentiles. Don't enter into any town of Sharon, which is Samaria. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This was so that the word of God would be fulfilled. And this is it. In Romans 12, excuse me, 1 Verse 16 and 17. Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, who was sent to the Gentile people. For I'm not ashamed of the good news, since it is God's means to bring salvation, Yeshua, to everyone who keeps trusting, to the Jew especially, and equal to the Gentile. For in 
it is revealed how God makes people righteous in his sight. That's the only way. To be righteous in Abba, Father God's sight is through Yeshua. And from the beginning to end, it is through trust, as the Tanakh puts it. But the, but the person who is righteous will live his life by trust. Habakkuk 2.4. Look at the proud. He is inwardly not upright. He is not righteous. But look at the righteous. They will obtain life through trusting and faithfulness. And who has been proven faithful in our lives? Yeshua. Him and him alone. Let us continue. So he says now, go now and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those afflicted with zarat, which is leprosy, and expel demons. He's asking them to do the literal things that he's been doing in their presence by the power and the might of Abba, Father, God. He's asking them to do no less because they are going to become, on outside appearances, these guys are arguing, they're conflicting, who's the greatest? But he's trusting that the Father, by the Spirit of the living God, is going to transform these men because he knows in a short time, within three years, he's going to be lifted upon that execution stake and he shall rise from the dead and he shall ascend to the Father. And so these are the 12 people who are going through transformation as they, what? As they lay down their lives as a holy and living sacrifice, which is truly acceptable worship to Abba, Father God. Let's continue. He says, you have received without paying, so give without asking payment. Don't take money in your belts, no gold, no silver, no copper. And for the trip, don't take a pack of an extra shirt, shoes, or a walking stick. A worker should be given what he needs. When you come to a town or a village, like someone, and you meet someone trustworthy, stay with him until you leave. He didn't want him to bounce around, go from congregation to congregation, house to house. He wanted the the testimony and the witness to be pure. That this person was about building the kingdom of God, not by an, any type of personal gain. And that the one who provided for that individual was Abba, Father God himself. Have we learned as believers to walk in his provision and to rejoice? And when we don't have the things of this world that everyone else has, can we spend time in the presence of the Father and say, thank you, Father? that you've given me all that I need and I lack nothing thereof, both in my mind, my body, my spirit. I have all that you desire for me to have and I rejoice therein. Let's continue. And when you come to a town or village, look for someone trustworthy and stay with him until you leave. When you enter someone's household, say, Shalom Alechem. Declare that. If the home deserves it, let your shalom rest on it. If, if not, let your shalom return to you. But if the people of the house or town will not welcome you or listen to you, leave it and shake the dust from your feet. Yes, I tell you, it'll be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the people of Sodom 
and Amorah, Sodom and Gomorrah, than for that town. Why? Because they're denying the literal representative of the kingdom as you being ambassadors of the kingdom. So let us continue. Shalom Alechem. The word shalom means not only peace, but also tranquility, safety, well-being, welfare, health, contentment, success, and comfort, wholeness, and integrity. Oh, I just thought it meant peace. No. Shalom Alechem means peace be upon you. And it is a common greeting as simply as shalom. Thus, it is the deeper meaning to Yeshua's instruction in verse 13. And when you give or withhold shalom, hold back your peace, he refers not only to the greeting, but the whole complex of peace, which is wholeness, well-being, that Messiah Yeshua offers through his Talmudim. Do you hear that? We're to bring righteous and holy peace to the world, to all who will receive it. In Yeshua's name. So it's through the Talmudim and similar at many places in the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament. They were to greet people with Shalom Aleichem. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for their wickedness. We find that in Bereshit, Genesis 19. So now let us move to verse 16. And Yeshua says this, pay attention. I'm sending you out like Sheep among wolves. Notice that. Here is the eternal great and good shepherd is saying to his lambs, I'm sending you into the world full of wolves. So be as prudent or wise as snakes, but as harmless as doves. God desires us not to do works of violence out of our own carnal nature. What does the scripture say? When you're struck on one cheek, to do what? Turn and offer the other. Let's continue. Verse 17, be on your guard for there will be people who will hand you over to the local Sanhedrins and flog you in their synagogues. Wait a second, Yeshua. Uh, I didn't sign up for that. That's reality. That's reality. Let's continue. Verse 13, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as a testimony to them and to the Goyim, to the Gentiles, to the nations. The Sanhedrin in the first century, there was both a lower and upper court. There were local Sanhedrins wherever there was a synagogue that met. And the smaller Sanhedrins, the lower Sanhedrins, they had three to 30 to 23 judges. But the higher Sanhedrin that we hear about in Jerusalem, that had up to 70 judges. Verse 19. But when they bring you to trial, do not worry about what you are to say. Anyone who's ever called to preach and teach God's word, hear that one more time. But when they bring you to trial, do not worry about what you are to say or how you're to say it. When the time comes, you will be given what you should say. Preachers and teachers of the gospel, the good news of Yeshua HaMashiach, they do not speak on their own authority, but if they allow the spirit of the living God to simply speak through them, he will fill their mouths, no matter what age, background, culture you come from, he will fill your mouth with those eternal words for all those who hear the words. 
And there'll be times when there'll be fruits of repentance. And there'll be times when there'll be fruits of rebellion where people will close their hearts. You are simply to do this. Speak and preach the word of God. And let everything lay and allow the spirit of the living God to transform those individuals. Because either people will readily receive it or they will harden their hearts. And know this, do not take offense because what they're doing is they're hardening their hearts against the word of God. And those who hear the spirit of the living God when someone is speaking under the Lord's anointing know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's why they teach us as we go to Bible college or seminary, eat the meat and spit out the bones. And I say that to you, any, any, any book, commentary that you ever read upon the walk, your personal walk with the Lord or someone else's testimony, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Because anything is taught or, or preached, there's part of the human element in it. And God will give you wisdom and discernment and enlightenment to know the difference. And that's an ongoing process. Amen? Amen. Verse 20, for, for it will not be just you speaking, but the rock, the spirit of your heavenly Abba, Father God, speaking through you. Think about that. Because when they were brought before kings and governors, they were brought before the Sanhedrin, and they were to give an account on what they believed, they did not rehearse a speech. They simply stood up there, and what the spirit of the living God gave to them, they shared. Read through the books of Acts. You'll see this is to be true. It will not just be you speaking the word, just. And this is what a doctor, David Stern, the translator of this complete Jewish Bible says. The word just is not in the Greek text. He says, I've added it to avoid the implication that the Ruach spirit of your heavenly father might take control of someone without his or her knowledge or against his or her will. And there are many people that will testify, I can't help myself what comes out of my mouth. I disagree, and the scripture disagrees with that. You have a free will. We will be judged by every word that is uttered from our lips. And if it isn't from God, then we will face judgment, and the Lord shall discipline us. Amen? We're not, not to walk in fear, but to walk in the joy of the Lord in all these things the Lord's called us to do. He goes on to say, I've added it to, to avoid the implication that the rock, the spirit of your heavenly father, might take control of someone without his or her knowledge or against his or her will. I know I repeated that, but it needs to be repeated for the second time. Continuing. The effect of Talmudim for Yeshua puts his or her primary energy and effort into the task Yeshua has assigned him or her to complete. You hear that? Male or female are equal in the kingdom of God. They are filled with the spirit, the ruach of the living God. And you'll see countless times throughout scripture where men were terrified or they were simply not called and anointed with the gifts that God wanted to disperse on the, upon the people. Think of Esther. She's a great example. Who 
what male could fulfill the role that God had ordained for her to do? Let's be real, people. No one. It had to be a female. And she saved the Jewish nation. I and others in this room would not even be here. And you know what else? The Messiah would have never been born. Think about that. Bless the Lord. Continuing, he or she is concerned for all Yeshua's work, but he or she does not try to do it by themselves. We are a team. God has anointed and appointed us to be here for such a time as this. So we would grow together. We would come as iron sharp as iron. There's going to be a lot of sparks. There's going to be a lot of fire. But we're being transformed. We're being refined. Amen? That's a painful process to go through. And you know what? There are times when it's not fun at all. But you know what? When the Lord shows us being transformed into his image and likeness and character, it's well worth it. Amen? Amen. The true legacy of a Talmudin that desires only to build the kingdom of Abba, Father God, is what we desire to do. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.